Have you ever asked the question, if, if the Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus and old things have passed away, why do we have to, such a tough time with old things? And if, if, if the Scriptures really say that, that God is translated out of the kingdom of Satan's darkness, out of his dark kingdom, why, why does this kingdom seem to still have influence over our lives? Why is it? And if Jesus really did, if he really did spoil principalities and powers, like he says in Colossians 2.15, then why do so many believers still have to do with such horrible strongholds in their minds? It's something we, 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 we wrestle with. I, and I don't know if, if, if I'm the only one that has to battle with the area of the mind or if, if there are others. I mean, I can't speak for everyone else. But I know that every day when I get up, I enter, to, I enter into the battlefield. And the battlefield is all right here. It's, it's, it's in the gray matter that I struggle the most. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, uh, I've, I've been reading this book, and, and I just finished it up, but I, I pull a lot from it because it's such an interesting book, and I would encourage you to get it. And it's called Dress to Kill by uh, Rick Renner. And it's, it's really, really good, good book. I would encourage you to read it. But he was telling about a guy that... <laughs> Um, got a call one night, and one of his neighbors called him up and said, uh, um, I saw your goat lying on the side of the road dead. And the guy goes, gets up, and he, he goes down the road a little ways, and sure enough, he sees his goat laying on the side of the road. And he gets out of the car, and he walks over, and the goat's just laying there, still, like it's dead. And he bends over to pick him up, you know, he's going to throw him in the back of his truck and take him and bury him, but when he started to pick him up, he noticed that his legs were all tied together. And the goat couldn't move, you know. And so he just took his pocket knife out and reached down and cut the ropes. The goat just laid there. He smacked the goat, and the goat just laid there. And, you know, he, he, he finally had to pull the goat's legs apart and literally stand it up and smack it to get it to realize that he was free. And he'd been tied up like that for who knows how long. And in that position, even though he was free, he, he felt like he was still bound. Kind of reminds me of the story of the elephants, you know, in, in the circus. They would take the elephants when they're little, and they would just put a rope around their leg and tie them to a stake. And while they're little like that, the elephant wasn't powerful enough to pull the rope loose. So they would just put it on his leg and leave it tied to a stake. And as the elephant grew, it became accustomed to that rope, and, and though the elephant had plenty of power to be able to pull loose at any time it wanted to, it would remain tied to that stake. That's the way we are in our minds sometimes, because Jesus has set us free. And if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. I've been reading in, in a book by uh, Dr. Cottle on Galatians, and, uh, and, and the letter he wrote to the book of Galatians was having to deal with some Judaizers that had come back into the church, you know what Judaism is. It's, uh, it's, it's conformance to the law, and it's, they believed in salvation by the law. So, so they were uh, coming in and, and telling the people, even though that Paul had come in and preached the gospel to them, they had received Christ as the Lord, had been baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now these people that are still bound to the law come in, and they're telling them that they have to abide by the law of Moses, that they have to be circumcised, that they have to do all the ritual things in order to be saved. So it's like grace plus. You know, you have to do all of these things in order to be saved. But 
The Bible doesn't teach that, does it? It says we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of works, lest any man should boast. We've been born again spiritually, and we're in a process of change that's taking place in our inner man. And so our thinking on the inside will affect everything that we do. Dr. Cottle has said many times in his classes and He would say that, you know, what we look at with our eyes will determine our thinking. And our thinking will determine our actions, and our actions will determine our destiny. That's why it's so important that we look into the pure Word of God, and we we let the Word of God change our thinking. You know, I was was telling the the class that meets over here uh, about when we were on Hatteras Island, we had a Gideon's meeting. And uh, the guy that was speaking was a missionary, and uh, they would take Bibles into indigenous areas. They would go in, learn the language. They would get that language translated into New Testaments, and they would take them into certain areas. There was one particular area out of the jungles of Colombia. You all know what Colombia is famous for, marijuana and cocaine, right? And so the people there, this tribe was an indigenous tribe, and they smoked marijuana religiously. That's what they did. And so they would bring these New Testaments, and they would fly over, and they would drop them out of planes. Well, the people didn't know what they were for, and they were just beginning to read because it was a group that had gone in before them with teaching them how to read and everything. They would take these New Testaments, and they're made out of rice paper. And so they would take the pages out, and they would roll their marijuana in it and smoke it. But a beautiful thing happened. The chief, he would, start, he would read the page before he would roll it up. And miraculously, he got saved. By reading the Word, he got saved. And so the missionaries finally made it into this indigenous village, and they found that the chief had already become a Christian, and most of the village had already become a Christian. And they asked him how it happened. He said, did someone come and preach the gospel to you? He said, no. We see big bird in the sky. Little books fly out of the sky. And we take the pages, and we would read them, and then we would smoke them. And we, he said we smoked Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when we got to John, John smoked us. <laughs> and that's a true story. The gospel of John was what changed their hearts. But there's a verse found in John chapter 8, verse 31, and it says, Whom the Son sets free... It's free indeed. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free from what? Jesus was talking to Jewish people. He was talking to people that were bound to the law. And they were so religious. And he was telling them that the Son is here to set you free from all the bondage to the law that you have been in. You have tried to be good enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven but the kingdom of heaven is here. You know, Jesus told the people in Luke, he said, he said, you look for the kingdom of God here, and you look for the kingdom of God there, and you look for the kingdom of God there. But the kingdom of God is not here or there. Where is the kingdom of God? He said, the kingdom of God is in you. When we think of the kingdom of God, what are we thinking about when we think of kingdom? We, we, when we, we think externally when we think of the kingdom of God, right? We think externally. We think about, you know, all the... Most of us, when we think of the kingdom of God, what immediately comes to mind? We think of heaven, right? 
Well, that's really wrong thinking. Because when we think of the kingdom of God, in order to have a kingdom, you must first of all have a king. And the word is basalalia, which means kingdom, and basalel means king, or one who has supreme authority or lord. So when we have kingdom inside of us, it's the lordship of Jesus Christ inside of us. That's the kingdom of God. And when Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you, what he's saying is I have established my kingdom in you where you come into conformity with who you were designed to be and destined to be. And when we become into conformity with who we were designed to be, it changes everything. We go from being what Satan says that we should be into being who God says that we are. I'm going to read that passage of Scripture in just a minute to you. I'm not going to get to it right now, but I will. Let me me see. Maybe I will. Because I've gotten away from my notes, and that's okay. All right. John 8, 31 through 36. This is the Passion Translation. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Everybody say Jews. When you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth... It will release true freedom into your lives. Surprised by this, they said, but we're descendants of Abraham and we're already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How could you say that we will be released into more freedom? And Jesus said, I speak eternal truth. When you sin, you are not free. You become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like who? like a son does. For a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. So when we realize who we are in Christ Jesus, it gives us freedom because then we realize who we truly are. I'm a child of the king. So if I'm a child of the king, I'm not in bondage to sin anymore. Because in order to be a child of the king, you have to be, first of all, born again by the Spirit. And when you become born again by the Spirit of God, that means you have a brand new birth. And old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. So we're brand brand new creation in Christ Jesus. So um, a a lot of people come into the kingdom of God. They come battered and bruised and scarred and bound by entanglements that the world has put upon them. And a lot of reasons for the bondages that Satan has put upon them that are negative consequences of sin. Now, some of the sins are external. It's something somebody else has done. Some of us are abused. Some of us are victimized by abuse in our family growing up. Some of us are victimized by abuse in a marriage, a bad marriage, and a, and a separation, a divorce. I mean, that leaves scars, horrible scars. Some of us are abused by by things that we have done ourselves. I mean, things that we have chosen to do. Bad choices. Anybody ever make bad choices? Oh, Lord. If I could go back and make a lot of changes, I would, but I can't. But I did make one choice that trumps them all. I chose to become a follower of Jesus. And because I made that choice to become a follower of Jesus, it negated everything that happened on the other side of the cross. Everything I did up to that point was no longer even in the record books because it says that he has forgiven us, and to forgive means to absolve 
all accounts. So when the Lord looks at my accounts and it sees I have been justified, what does it mean to be justified? Martin Luther says to be justified means justified, never sinned. Wow, you mean that when God looks at me, he looks at me as perfect? Y'all say, y'all just go ahead and say it. I'm looking at a saint. And I am too. I'm looking at a whole bunch of them. You know, I don't need someone else to declare me to be a saint because Jesus has already done it. I mean, I can't be any purer, I can't be any cleaner than I am right now. Because when he looks at me, he sees the blood, and that means that I am free. So if the Son has set me free, I am free indeed. I don't have to worry about what what Grandma did, what Papa did, or my dad, or anybody else. All I have to be concerned about is what Jesus did. So how do we break free? The mind is where we we have warfare going on. And some of us are mentally, mentally tied up like the goat. We're tied up, you know. And and Jesus has already taken the ropes off, and we're still tied up mentally. We're like that that elephant, you know. We, We could break loose at any time because... Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I could break free from that entanglement anytime I want to. But the problem is sometimes we just don't want to. It's much more comfortable to lay there like we're already passed on. Much more comfortable just to, just to have that little rope, you know, let somebody give us some hay every now and then and, and give us something to eat and some fresh water. We're good. Just let me, let me have my little distance here. I can go so far, and I can't go any farther. That's it. And we're comfortable there. But not me. I want to break free. I want to go where the Lord... I want to go as, 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 as what was it, Star Trek says, to go where no man has ever gone before. I want to go there. Romans 8, 7 says, the mind set or focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. Why? Because of our focus. Because of our focus. I put these on so I can focus better. I can see better. And, and you know, God has given us spiritual glasses, but if we refuse to use them, we still see the things, same thing we used to. What is it that redirects our sight? What is it? The Word of God. It changes us. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by what? Giving heed to the word of God. That's the thing that changes our sight. And Jesus said, you know, or, or Paul says, if we don't do that, when then we're short-sighted. We, we, we need to get some spiritual glasses so we can see. Colossians 1.21 says, and this is prior to your salvation experience, you were... You were distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions. You notice it's past tense, you were. And and it's not where we are right now, or it shouldn't be. Shouldn't be because God has given us the means by which to change our thinking. And Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says, and this is the Passion Translation, so with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. In other words, it's the heart condition. And when I speak of heart, I'm not talking about the cardia. I'm not talking about the thing that beats in here. I'm talking about the very center 
of who you are. Where's your center? What are your thoughts centered upon? Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed or stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. So when we have our minds and our hearts set on him, and it says in Colossians for us to set our minds on things above, not on things beneath. So it's, it all has to do with this and redirecting our thoughts. And in order to redirect our thoughts, we have to stop thinking like the world thinks and start thinking like God thinks and what God says we are and who God says we are. What matters more, who you think you are or who God says you are? So if we think that we are who God says we are, that changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. I'm a child of God. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. I am worth something because God says I am. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, and this is talking about the people of the world, people who don't believe, their minds have been blinded by the gods of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ who is the divine image of God. The blindness of the, the things of this world, the God of this world has blinded many that they can't see it. And you wonder sometimes, and we, we ask the question, why can't people see? I mean, it's so plain as the nose on your face. Well, it's because the God of this world has blinded them so that they cannot see. We're by nature children of wrath. I mean, when kids do what they do, they're just doing what comes natural. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that rebellion is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from them. <laughs> I had to put that in there. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. What the Word says. But we, by nature, are children of wrath. What does that mean, children of wrath? It means that God's going to... No, 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 no. You see, we were destined for wrath because we were born in the seed of Satan. We're born with a carnal mind. We're born with a carnal nature. But when we're born again, we're changed. We're no longer under wrath. We're taken by, from, as Dr. Cottle would call it in the book of Romans, we're taken from wrath to righteousness. If you read the book of Romans, it's a book about the transformation of a person from being under the law, which is the wrath of God, and being put under the righteousness of God through what Jesus did. That's what the whole book is about. It's about grace versus the law. The law keeps us in bondage. And that's what, Paul, uh, what Jesus was saying to the people, the Jews there in, in, Roman, in, in, in uh, John chapter 8. He says, you know, you're children of the law. But if the Son sets you free, then you're free indeed. They didn't realize that they were under bondage. And most people don't. Until one day we realized, hey, I've been under bondage all my life. Just didn't realize it. But we are. So what has to take place? In order to discover what the truth is, we have to do something. We have to renew our minds through the truth of God's Word. How do we, what does renew mean? It means to make new again. We, it, to make new again. I mean, in other words... 
we have to change the way that we think. The enemy would love it if we just kept thinking the way we've always thought. Because that's insanity. Because to think the way we've always thought leads us to do what we've always done. And when we do what we've always done, expecting different results, we call that insanity. But God wants to change the way that we think. How does he do it? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, in verse 3, tells us in verse 2, rather, it says, not to be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. How do we renew the mind? Well, we've got to determine that we're going to renew the mind. In order to renew the mind, then we have to be willing to stop thinking the way we've always thought and take a new course of thought. And once we take a new course of thought, then we can be do, begin to do things differently. I used to work with my dad. My dad wasn't a highly educated man. He only had a fifth grade education. But he had more common sense than most people I've ever met. He was brilliant when it came to figuring things out. And, and I, I went to work with him on bridges, and there were some guys that uh, we, would, we would have to put what we call false work in order to pour concrete on, and then once the concrete was set, then we would have to wreck it or pull it out from under it. And these guys had a way of doing it, and it's the way they'd always done it, which re, would require a crane and a, and, a, and a crew of about six men. Well, my dad come out there one day, and he looked at this, and he says, you know what? I can do this with two men. If you give me two men, I can do what those six men are doing, and I can do it faster. They're like, you're crazy. You can't do that. My dad said, sure I can. Just let me try it. So they let him try it for a week, and sure enough, my dad decked out a whole bridge in about two weeks, which would normally take about six weeks. And they were just amazed. And some of the old guys got upset with my dad because he was doing it a different way. It wasn't the, day, the way they always did it. And they were upset because somebody came along and tried, decided to try something new. And he had a lot of enemies in that company that just didn't like old Slim, they called him, because he would figure out different ways to do stuff. He, he actually invented a jack that they would use on the side of a bridge and, and another guy stole his idea and got it patented. My dad just didn't think about it. He just thought about, let's get the job done. So we had a welder to build this jack that they put on the side of a bridge that you could adjust the, the height up and down on, the, on the, what we would call the sidewalk on the side of the bridge. And, and my dad invented this jack that you would use, and, and it was brilliant. But he didn't get credit for it. This other guy who happened to be an engineer took the jack, got it patented. He's off sailing somewhere in the Caribbean now on my dad's idea. But what I'm saying is that we have to be willing to have the mind renewed to think differently than we, the way we have before. Even in church, we get hung up on religiosity and, and formalism and everything else, and we don't want to change because this is the way that we've always done it. But if we have our mind renewed in the Word of God, God begins to change who we were into who He wants us to be because suddenly we realize that I'm a child of God. I'm valuable to Him. I'm not just a, a, a child of God. I am a joint 
heir with Jesus. And when we get a hold of that, do you realize who you truly are? I'm a joint heir with Jesus, the Son of God. I'm, I'm, a, I'm on equal ground with Him. Are you kidding me? He's the firstborn of many brothers. When we get a hold of that and realize who we are, it begins to change the way that we think. Well, if I am royalty, then I've got to start acting like royalty. I can't live the rest of my life in defeat and everything else because I understand that, that Jesus did something fabulous for me. Romans 12, 2 in the Passion Translation says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. That's, I want to live that way, don't you? Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with Him. For God has recreated you all over again in His perfect righteousness. And now you belong to Him in the realm of true holiness. So you've been recreated in Christ Jesus. Man, you've been quantitatively, qualitatively made brand new. You're not who you were. So don't even think in terms of who you were. Think of who you are. Think of who you are right now. That's why our past is not that important. It's our future. And you know, it, has anybody ever tried to drive down the road looking in your rearview mirror? It's kind of dangerous, isn't it? Don't try it, please. Please. I did one time for about maybe 100 yards. And I realized I was making a bad mistake when I felt myself going off to the side. I said, I've got to change this. I've got to do that. So anyway, so when we think of transformation, what does it mean to transform? The, the word metamorpho, everybody say metamorpho, not metamorpho, it's metamorpho. Everybody say that, metamorpho. So meta is, is, is like a change of form, a change of form. So when we're being transformed in our mind, God is changing the formula or the way that we think. It's denoting a change of place or condition. Meta, denoting a change. Morpho, changing the form or to transform or transfigure. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom, and apply the Scriptures as you teach and instruct one another. 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14 says, So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Christ Jesus is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. And verse 14 says, As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that followed you when you didn't know any better. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit tells us what truth is, and we know better. So don't do what you know better than not to do, okay? So if we don't apply the truth of God's Word in our thinking, then we remain tethered to the dictates of our old life, our old self-life, and we're the, under the dominion of Satan in our past. And I want to remind you one more time, 
2 Corinthians 5.17. And again, this is uh, 5.17 through 21. And this is the Passion Translation. It says, now if anyone is enfolded, or if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. What part of you has been recreated? Every part of you. Entirely new. That means your mind has got to be recreated too. Not just your body, but your thought life. Everything has been recreated. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us unto himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. I think this is a perfect segue this morning for our communion with the Lord. Because really that's what our communion is all about. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to change us and to make us into what He wants us to be. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.